You're listening to the Release City Church online experience. Hey, listen, we really hope today's message is one that will encourage you, inspire you, and challenge you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks again for listening. Now let's check it out. Good morning again. Man, so Sunday before last, I wasn't nervous at all. I don't know what it is. And that was harder because of everything that was going on, but I don't know if it's the message this morning or or what, but I don't I don't take being up here lightly. And it's it's heavy sometimes to do this. But I wanted to give you a little bit of a background of about how this message came along. So about two weeks ago, I was on my mower, and me and Jesus have a lot of conversations when I'm on my mower because there ain't nobody else to talk to. And I'm used to dealing with criminals all the time, and they got a whole lot to say. So I'm used to having conversations, so that's a good time for me and him to talk. I relived a moment that I had at the very, very beginning of my Christianity. I was dating a girl, and her dad was big into the missions field, and he brought an African missionary that was a personal friend of his that preached a message on carrying his burden. Well, I found that interesting because we all know the scripture of give your burden to Christ because his yoke is light and it's easy. So there's a little bit of a contradiction there, but as I began to listen to him and what he was saying, I began to understand it more. So I think that afternoon or a couple days later, I was on the phone with Bradley and I told him what I had experienced and the message that I had relived while I was on the mower. And he said, do you want to, do you want to speak? And I'm like, not really. (laughs) I said, I'll take a couple days and I'll think about it. (laughs) So as I begin to think about carrying his burden and I begin to think about everything that him and his family have gone through, Bradley and Amy. I said, God, you didn't do that for no reason. I didn't relive that message for no reason. Bradley hasn't been preaching made for mission for no reason. I said, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know about you guys, but things that make me nervous, I try to run from it if I can. But sometimes we got to step up to the plate and we got to do what we're called to do. So I'm going to start with our anchor, message, our anchor scripture this morning, and it's in Galatians 6.2. And it says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There is no stronger, more confident, more powerful of a person than Jesus Christ. No one has ever made the impact that he's made. No one has ever written, said, debated, argued more in 2,000 years over the things that he did. While he is strong and he's able to express a deep sense of caring about those who suffer, he wept openly over Jerusalem and over the things that went on and over the sorrows of people. But weeping didn't take away his strength. I researched and I found that there is at least 34 scriptures in the Bible that refer to large crowds following Jesus that were captivated by his words that he spoke and the wonders that he performed in spite of the fact that most of them didn't understand him. They didn't understand his purpose. They didn't know what he was about. In Matthew 27, 32, 
we see one moment where Jesus, who was normally very strong, was weak. Yet even, even him, as a man, he always needed the Father. He was always praying, constantly praying to the Father. And this scripture touches briefly on the moment when a man standing in the crowd was compelled to carry Jesus' cross. See, Jesus in the flesh, how many of you have seen Passion of the Christ? Most of you in here seen Passion of the Christ? I don't know about you, that movie, ooh, it makes me mad. To watch what they did to him, and it makes me cry. To see what he went through for us. In this moment, he had been beaten so bad physically, they didn't even recognize who he was. That's how bad it was. In the movie, you still recognize who the actor is. So it was worse than what even the movie depicts. And I can't hardly stand to sit and watch the movie. His physical strength, his worldly strength at that moment failed him. And he could not carry his cross any longer. His body was too weak. The Bible says the soldiers saw a strong man named, named Simon standing by. And they compelled him to help carry Jesus' burden. Romans 15.1 says, We who are strong and have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. I'm going to read that to you again. We who are strong have an obligation to bear, to hold with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So once the African missionary said that scripture, I understood he's not contradicting anything that the Bible says about us casting our burdens upon him. But he's talking about the burden that Jesus carried for us. We have an obligation to carry that for others. As Bradley said a minute ago, we come in here to get built up so that when we go out there, we can help others and help each other. I like to envision myself in that crowd watching Jesus under the weight of that cross and ask myself, what would I have done? Would I have had a burning desire to help regardless of what the consequences were? Even if the soldier, it says the soldiers compelled him, but, would, but what if it were one of us? Would we have had to have been asked to help him? It doesn't matter if we even understood who he was. We all know now who he is and what he did, and they didn't at the time really understand who he was, but should it have mattered? So how do we help? How do we take that and how do we make a difference now? Matthew 25, 35 through 40, Jesus says this, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? See, the disciples didn't understand what he was saying. Jesus had thrown a curveball right there, and he wasn't talking about himself anymore. And he answers them in verse 40, and he says, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. 
See, it's critical that we recognize that point and we follow through with it. It's not about what we do to him directly per se, but what we do to our neighbor. How I didn't put anything in here, but it comes to mind right now. How many times in the Bible does Jesus speak about loving your neighbor and doing for your neighbor? Well, I don't know about y'all, but I haven't always had the greatest of neighbors. He's talking about them too. Me and Sarah was about to go shoot somebody. We had a neighbor for about six months that would blare the music, and I was on night shift, and he'd start that junk at about 7 o'clock in the morning. Whew. So the other morning, me and my trainee went out with uh, some of the detectives and some of the drug task force agents and arrested a whole bunch of people in a short amount of time, and we were picking up warrants, and one of them in particular stood out to me, and I'm going to tell you his name. I prayed about this, and... He didn't tell me not to, so I'm going to tell you the guy's name. His name was Anthony Knight. They arrested him for the sale of methamphetamine. But he stood out to me over the others that we went and picked up that morning. Because they pulled him out, and he, all he had on was his boxers. And they had him in handcuffs. And he was kind of a short little guy and small. And he was just standing there shaking his head. He wasn't crying, but when I looked at him... It was almost to the point, you know, when you cry so much, you can't really cry anymore. That's, that's where he looked like he was to me. And I didn't say anything to him. And one of our drug task force agents was, was interviewing him, trying to, trying to get him to say some, tell him some things that they needed to know. And he wouldn't. But the drug task force agent said something to him. He said, man, he, and he referenced, I can't remember the details. I've been thinking about it all morning. I guess the guy used to own a business, and he used to be pretty well off because he referenced to that, but I can't remember what he said he did, and I'm not going to sit up here and tell you all a lie. But he said, the meth and the women got you, didn't it, Anthony? And he sat there quiet for a long time, and I was waiting on him to finish so me and my trainee could go do what we needed to do. And he said, nah. He said, losing my wife unexpectedly is what got me. When he said that, I broke for him. Because, see, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what our future holds. And you don't know what it takes to break you. But he does. So to answer your question about how we help, there's people like that. There's a couple dispatchers in here. There's a victim's advocate back here. I feel like I'm kind of at work because a lot of my LCSO family is here, so it's kind of cool. They know what I'm talking about. They talk to people like Anthony Knight every day that call 911 in need of help. And I hope I'm not getting ahead in my notes right here, but there's an overabundance of Anthony Knights out there. There's a lot of them. So I'm going to read this. How many times have we seen and come across an Anthony Knight? See, his load may not have been a heavy timber. It may not have been a cross. It may not have been the weight of the world. Like Jesus's, he may not have been whipped but he may be a person that's faced many difficulties and he's gotten discouraged and he's lost his will to continue. See, when we aren't moving forward, we're moving backwards. Pastor Dennis used to say that all the time. You're never standing still. See, in the last two and a, two and a half years, God, while I've been building this house, there's been times that I've just hoped that I've been still because I knew I wasn't moving forward spiritually but I hoped I wasn't moving backwards. But the truth of it, 
if you're not pressing forward, you're sliding backwards. And before you know it, you're, you'll get to a place where it's hard to recover. And for Anthony, that was it. I just read it about him as he stood there, and he didn't even drop a tear. But he said, no, nah, it was my wife that got me. When she left unexpected, that's what got me. The point is this. Jesus said we are carrying his heavy load when we do things for the least of his brothers. See, Jesus loves Anthony Knight just like he loves you and me right now. Wherever he's at right now, probably still over there in Bronson. He loves him no differently than he loves Bradley, than he loves me, than he loves any of you. He loves him the same. And see, when we come in here and get built up, it's our job to make a difference to people like Anthony Knight out there. That's part of carrying his burden. I was going to use a prop, but I didn't really have time. But if I come into contact with somebody and I just make a small change and then Anthony Knight comes into contact with some of you and you make a small change. Well, before you know it, if we're all doing what we're called to do and we're making a difference and he comes into contact with more and more people, we've turned his whole direction around. You say, my sin is too much. I'm not going to stand up here and, and tell you that sin won't send you to hell because it will. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that sin won't hurt your walk with Christ because it will. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not perfect, but I know God's using me. And I'm still a work in progress. So don't look at me like I'm standing up here because I'm perfect because I'm not. My wife will tell you that. Go ask her. I ain't perfect. <laughs> I was going to tell you a story, but I ain't going to do it. <laughs> but don't let your sin get in the way of what God's called you to do. As you work through your stuff, we're strong enough in here, and we carry something that people out there don't carry, that we can make a difference. So don't let your sin and don't let Satan beat you down to the point where that's all you're focused on, to the point where you can't carry out a mission. You can't carry out an assignment. Because see, before we got to the jail, I was asking God, what am I supposed to say to this man? Because some people, they seem like they're so far that only he can change them. But what can I do? What can I do, Lord, to alter his direction? What can I say? And all I said to him when my trainee got out of the car, and it was just he and I, so he felt comfortable talking. I said, keep your head up. That was all I felt led to say. And when I said that, he hadn't said a word to any, either one of us all the way to the jail. He started asking me about my children, how old my children were, how, how my family was doing. And we started talking, and we talked for 10 minutes before the jail staff got out there and took him. And he just looked different when he walked away from me after that. It wasn't me. I'm not standing up here telling you it was me. But we just do our part. And we just change his direction just a little bit so that the next person, hopefully in the jail that he comes into contact with, will turn him a little bit more. His children are still out there somewhere. He's sitting over there at the bed and breakfast extended stay. He can't do anything for them there. But if we just do our part. 
I'm going to read you a story real quick, and it's, it's long. Don't worry, I'll get you out of here in time for your meds. Bradley kind of cut me short today. No, nah, I love you guys, I'm kidding. It's in Acts 9, though, and I remind myself of this story. Because I'm telling you, Satan likes to beat you to death about your imperfections and about how imperfect we are. And this is a story that I remind myself of all the time to say, if this guy can make a difference with the things that he did, I can make a difference. Acts 9 talks about Saul that became Paul. All of you are familiar with his story? If you're not, I'm going to help you out this morning. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, talking about of Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This part right here stands out to me, and, Paul resp- and Saul responds, Who are you, Lord? See, you've got to be careful who you're around, because at this time, he was still a Christian killer. But the Bible says even the demons believe and know that God is real. See, there's a lot of people out there that will tell you they know Christ, but if you don't detect their fruits, you better be careful. You better be careful, because the Bible says by, your fruits, by their fruits you will recognize them. There's a lot of people out there that will tell you, yeah, man, I believe, yeah, I know, but do you have a relationship? Because see, even a Christian killer said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? I don't like words like that. That's why I like the New King James Version, but that word was in there. So I'm like, what the heck is that? So I looked it up. Goads means to provoke or annoy someone so as to stimulate some action or reaction. So I'm going to read it to you again, and you stick that meaning in there, because it don't make a lick of sense to me when I read it with goads. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? See, it's funny that Jesus would ask somebody a question when he already knows the answer. When he, asked me, when he asked me a question, and I know that he already knows the answer, it's for me to think. It ain't for me, it ain't for him to need to know the answer. Okay? So when he asks you a question, he's asking for you to think. Kick against the goads, provoke or annoy, so as to stimulate some action or reaction. What that tells me is, that wasn't the first time that Jesus tried to get his attention. Jesus had called him... Several times. See, he knows what buttons to push. Because when I look back before my save days, there is distinct times right before storms that I self-inflicted where I felt him knocking. Trying to prevent me from going there where I was going. And it didn't take until I hit Anthony Knight's status to say, okay, you, you got me now. So when he says, is it hard for you to kick against the goads? He's saying, are you ready now? Because I've tried, I've provoked and annoyed you to stimulate some action or reaction from you. Are you ready now? And he says, it says, so he, talking about Saul, trembling and astonished says, 
Lord, what do you want me to do? We've got to get to that place sometimes for him to get our attention. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, for they could hear a voice, but saw no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Verse 9 says, And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. And this is the part I really want to hammer home right here. Verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And I heard him say it earlier. He said, are you available? Because that's all he wants is our availability. And the Bible says, Ananias responded, here I am, Lord. See, I bet Ananias wasn't perfect. But he was available. Verse 11 says, So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Verse 13 continues, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Paul was a Christian killer before he, he was Saul. And then Jesus said, you're Paul. He was a Christian killer. Verse 15, I'm almost done. Stay with me. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. To bear my name for Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized." You see, Ananias carried a heavy burden for the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Jesus told me, hey, Adam, go to that Christian killer's house, Paul wasn't packing like sheriff's deputies are usually packing. I ain't going. No. Yes, he was scared, but he was obedient. Ananias' obedience help produce the greatest missionary for Christianity that this world has ever known besides Jesus. He is responsible for writing most of the New Testament in the Bible. He was scared, but he was obedient. I don't do what I do because I'm not scared. There are times I have been scared, but I know where I'm supposed to be. And I know that as long as he wants me there, that I'm protected. And that nothing's going to happen. See, it was out of obedience that my brother-in-law, Travis Moody, and Dennis Weber took me under their wing once I got saved because I had hit rock bottom. But they didn't have to. Just like that word I spoke to Anthony Wright, and I'm not boasting myself, it wasn't me, it was him. I didn't know what to say to that man. Changed his direction. 
Travis Moody and Dennis Weber are responsible for helping change my direction because they carried a burden for the Lord and said, I'm available, and I'll take him, and I'll help him, and I'll steer him in the right direction, and we'll change him a couple of degrees at a time until his direction is changed. See, Paul encourages God's people to do good to all men. He admonishes us not to become weary in doing well and tells us in Galatians 6, 9, and 10 to do good with special concern for those who are of the household of faith. Special concern for the people that are right here in front of me, for my friends in here, for my family in here. We are to have special concern for one another and watch each other. And as bad as I wanted to tell him no that I didn't want to do this, that's one of the greatest men back there I've ever met. That's my best friend. He's not perfect and he's going through things that are hard. And so are his family. God didn't give me this message for nothing. It was so that he could take care of himself and take care of things that he needs to take care of. I didn't know he was going to say, do you want to speak Sunday? I had no idea. I was just making conversation and was telling him you know, what I had done on the lawnmower. In Romans eight seventeen, Paul wrote that we are children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So to suffer with each other and to suffer with Christ and to carry his burden is for us all to be glorified together. Jesus carried our burden so that we may become, so that we may become strong enough to carry the burdens of others. There is no greater gift than to be given eternal life and glory with Jesus Christ. Carrying Jesus' burden with a willing and glad heart, there is a great blessing that is yours for the taking. Great blessing. And I've already touched on this a little bit. So when I got saved, two weeks later I got baptized. And I felt that the direction I was heading with my career wasn't where he wanted me. So I prayed one night as I was holding Bryson. Bryson was about six months old in my arms. What it was that I was supposed to do. What it was that he wanted me to do. And when I opened my eyes, he was wearing a onesie that had an ambulance, a fire truck, and a police car. But out of all of those, and they were real small and there was a whole bunch of them, the police car was the first thing that I laid eyes on. Well, I'm, I'm extremely patriotic, and military was always kind of something I had in the back of my mind. But with him being born, I didn't want to leave. And I saw that police car, and I said, really? But I wasn't sure. So over the next week or so, I continued to pray, and I'm not lying to you. Every single time I said a little prayer in my head, the very next car that passed me was a patrol car. See, sometimes I want to run away from that calling. Because you guys are just as well well aware as I am of everything that's going on in our nation right now. There are times I want to run away from my calling. But I remind myself of Ananias and how scared he was. But yet he made a huge difference. Made a huge difference. And if it wasn't for that confidence, I could find, I just built my own house. I could find lots of other things to do. And I wouldn't have to wear all that crap. But I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm standing up here this morning to tell you that you're where you're supposed to be. And if you don't feel like you are, 
All you got to do is ask. And just like he answered my prayers in such a simple way. You can call it coincidence that I opened my eyes and saw a patrol car. You can call it coincidence that every time I said a little prayer in my vehicle in passing, the next car to pass me was a patrol car. I'm here to tell you guys, other than promotional, promotional stuff, I have never sat in front of the sheriff for an interview. Because when I went for my interview in dispatch, me and Miss Donna both left crying, the supervisor over dispatch. I've never sat in front of the sheriff, and that's unheard of. But that's what happens when he shows you where you're supposed to go, and that's where you're supposed to be, and he'll make it happen. You don't have to worry about, is there a drop-off right here? All you got to do is step, and he's going to catch you every time. And he's going to keep you there. And I'm not trying to scare you in any way, but me and my wife talk about it all the time. We've watched families that leave here that I didn't feel like they were called to leave. And it doesn't work out good for them. I'm not scaring you into not leaving this house. There are other places where God will use you and call you and let you serve. But until he calls you to move, don't move. Because as long as you're under his wing, there is nothing that can happen to you. And just remember this as I close. I put this in big, bold letters. Because sometimes I feel overwhelmed. And sometimes I get into situations out there in the middle of the night. And I want to leave. Because sometimes it just ain't worth it. I tell my trainee every day in the car, what's our most important job today? Go home to your family. He'll never give you more than you can handle. I'm going to close with this scripture. Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 says, this is Jesus speaking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If there's anything you remember about this message when you leave here, it's that we have a burden to carry. But if we'll cast it all on him, he'll make it easy and he'll make it light. I don't know what's gonna happen to Anthony Knight, but I feel peace that I did my part and it didn't cost me anything. Because see, most of you in here are saved and I know that for myself. Maybe all of you. We carry something that the world doesn't have and that they're desperate to have. So if there's anything you remember, just remember that we have a burden to carry. I love you guys. Hey, thanks again for listening today. Our mission at Release City Church is simple. We want to introduce people to the real Jesus by helping them know God, grow in freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference in their communities. For service time, staying connected with us, or just to learn more about the different ministries here, be sure to check us out online at releasecitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We hope to see you soon.